Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to this, the 10th episode of Coding Fix. If this is your first time joining us, hey, welcome. Uh, my name is Alex, and I will be your host today. If you have been with us before and experienced our show, well, welcome back. I'm very glad to see you again, uh, especially after such a long break. Um, as you may have noticed, there has not been a new episode of Coding Fix for a little while now. Also, if you listen to our sister podcast, Gaming Fix, you may have noticed that I have not been hosting there over the past month or two either. Now, I personally am one for just total transparency, so let's kick off the top of the show with the reason for the delay. Now, the reason for my absence on both shows is, well, it's one and the same, and it's also the subject of today's podcast, burnout <laughs> and mental health. Now, gratefully, I did not fully burn out, which is thanks in large part to having actually stepped away from both shows and taking that break in the first place. It was a conscious decision I'd made because I know my own limitations. And that limit was known in the first place because, well, I have burnt out, uh, burnt out in the past. And that's kind of what this episode is going to be. Um, we're going to be telling some stories about um, how that happens, but also offering some advice from experience. But before diving into stories and past failures and things of that nature, it's worth kind of at least defining what burnout is even just a little bit, especially if it is something you've not yet experienced. So burnout itself is very real and very unpleasant. And to be clear, it is not something which is unique to the field of software development. Um, one of the first times I personally experienced burnout was well before I was a dev, back when I was a professional touring musician. And now I would say that pretty much every musician I have ever known or currently do know has definitely gone through it. So these thoughts and these lessons, while we're sharing them here on a coding podcast and, you know, it's directed towards software developers, it's a fairly universal experience. But anyways, what does burnout itself feel like? Well, let's start by what kind of leads us there. One thing uh, can be passion and excitement and just being really, really into everything that you're doing. And I can't really think of a better way to contextualize this than by, well, telling a story from my own experience. So let's do this. Um, as a heads up, with any of the stories I'll be sharing, I'm going to be making a point to not use any company names or names of coworkers or, you know, anything else of that nature. It's completely anonymized, but... The stories themselves are 100% factual and accurate to the experiences that I went through. But, okay, to reiterate, let's talk about how someone can get burnt out because of passion. So, my first job out of university was basically ideal for me. I am a musician, I am a gamer, and I like to code. Uh, I was approached by someone, I didn't even apply to the job, who asked if I wanted to come work for their small music publisher and make games, make educational games. And 
again, with my cross-section of musician, gamer, and coder, I could think of no greater scenario. (laughs) It seemed like the most just perfect of fits. Making educational games for kids about music with code. Absolutely, of course. I signed on the moment I heard about it. I did not care about salary. I did not care about um, office space. I did not care about company size, etc. That just seemed like a perfect fit. It was a job offer, and I took it immediately. And honestly, looking back, I'm glad I did. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. Let's continue. So the company itself was very small, and I was the only developer. Uh, And my task was, well, to create video games. But these were educational games for kids, and they wanted to be able to play the games in a web browser. They didn't want to have to have the schools install anything off of a disc or, uh, you know, have it just be a board game or something that goes over a projector or anything like that. They are computer games where the kids sit in front of a computer, play the games, and, uh, you know, learn. Um, But they were also meant to work on tablet. So this was many years ago. And the primary choice back then was was, uh, to make it in Flash. Now, even back then, this was like, let's say 10-ish years ago, um, Flash was already on the way out. So me being such a good developer and so hip and cool with everything. I was like, we should make this in HTML5. Um, the rest of the company just had to kind of trust me on it. The CEO just had to kind of trust me on it because they were not technologically savvy. They uh, were older. They just did not have experience with technology. Uh, so they had to trust that what I was saying was true. And hey, at least now in retrospect, I was totally right. <laughs> but this proved to be a bit of a problem because 10 years ago, uh, making games in HTML5 was pretty much brand new. This wasn't something that was really codified. There wasn't great documentation on it. There were not that many tools to do it. So I had taken up a pretty big challenge because now I had committed myself to this framework, to HTML5, and I had committed myself to Um, having games ready for the students as soon as we possibly could uh, ahead of a school year. And yeah, now comes the fun part. When you are in a situation like this, there's really only two things that are going through your mind, at least for me. Firstly, you truly want to prove yourself. You are fresh out of college. You have all this passion, all of this these ideas and just you want to get stuff done but you want to prove that you can do it you want people to know that hey i'm capable and i am good at what i do and hey even if i'm still kind of new and there's some stuff i have to learn i'm going to learn it and i'm going to prove to you just how good all of this stuff can be so proving yourself is one of them and the other is well you're really fueled by passion <laughs> so What happened was I built a game engine in HTML5 
using the JavaScript canvas. I learned everything I possibly could about it. I built a whole bunch of tools. Uh, a lot of them went back to the open source community for what it's worth. And I built an engine. Now, if you've never worked with video games before, engines are complicated. <laughs> There's a lot to them. Engines are basically what runs your game. It is what you're giving scripts to so that you have a character that walks and they talk and they have dialogue and they say things and uh, it handles all the animation and it handles all the backgrounds and foregrounds and UI elements and just absolutely everything. Anything visually that's rendered, anything audio that's rendered, if you want to have reverb on that audio, if you want someone to go walking and it's a different sound when they're walking in a field versus on sand versus on snow, all of that gets handled by your game engine. And I was building one from scratch. <laughs> now, um, a game engine, if I were to guesstimate, this is a total guess. This is not science-based or anything. Uh, I've not done research on this, but let's say to make just a bare-bones game engine from scratch, I would say that it would probably take a team of, let's say, five or six reasonably experienced devs between eight to 12 months, probably. Uh, maybe a little faster depending on how much experience they have building engines, maybe a little slower if they hit speed bumps. But let's just say a team of five or six, eight to 12 months. I built that game engine in about four or five months on my own. That should be ringing some warning bells. <laughs> Um, warning bells that I did not know at the time. I did not recognize them. I did not hear them. I did not see them. They did not exist in my mind. So how did I do that? How did I build this engine that should have taken five people almost a year to build on my own in like four or five months? Well, I worked 12, 13, 14, 15 hour days every day, sometimes and often over the weekends. So it was frequently over 100-hour weeks for months, obsessively, passionately, coming up with ideas in the middle of the night and being like, oh, would this work? And then jumping out of bed, going to my computer, trying it out, and then it works. And I'm like, oh, this, this opens so many paths. There's so many new things I can try. And then doing those things and then just falling into a, a groove. And next thing you know, you've been at the computer for 12 hours. And... That was my routine. I worked hard. Um, I got it done. And by the end, I was a combination of very exhausted, but very proud. I'd built something really cool. I'd proven myself. And in my mind, it was worth it. I was finally ready to show my employers, hey, I have finished the engine. Look at this. I built like a couple little tiny demos that just showed... Uh, oh, hey, look, here's where we can dynamically walk around this map. And, oh, it's kind of doing some cool stuff. Like the background is scrolling at different rates, parallax scrolling, and uh, this was a 2D thing. And then it was like bringing uh, dynamic stars that were falling from the sky, and they were like exploding and leaving particles everywhere. And and another demo where it was kind of like the game Bastion where you're walking forward and then the, the floor is filling in underneath you and stuff like that. And just a bunch of demos, like some Pong-like demos and things of that nature, just things I built along the way to test things. And then just became a bit of a playground to show people. So I showed them, 
I was very excited. I um, uh, <laughs> I shared it and talked passionately, and they did not look particularly pleased. And I was like, yeah, so what do you think? And the comments I got back were, so where are our games? Um, do you know what you're doing? And why did you build this? That was very deflating after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of work. Um, it was a combination of being told, you don't seem to have any clue what you're doing. Um, you have disappointed us. And now we are questioning whether you should be employed here at all. Yeah, yeah. And that is how I burnt out for the first time in software development. So to kind of um, summarize and recontextualize all of that, I put in a ton of effort, a lot of effort, a lot of time, and was very, very happy and proud of the thing that I had ultimately created, but was met with rejection, dismissal, and just being almost berated. <laughs> um, which, it's very difficult. So the, that's what caused the burnout. But what does burnout actually feel like? Well, for me, it was not too far off from if you've ever experienced things like depression or anxiety. I would dread waking up in the morning and checking my email because I wasn't sure what was going to be there. Maybe it was going to be something just, you know, rude again or uh, kind of belittling my work again or something like that. So I just didn't want to check my email. Uh, I would have trouble falling asleep because I would be anxious about the next morning. Sometimes I just wouldn't sleep because I was like, well, I need to do better. I need to do stuff, but I don't have the energy for it. And it's, you know, your mind races and you feel anxious. Um, if I was sitting at my computer and wanting to do work, sometimes it would just be a full day of staring at the screen and writing one line of code in that entire day, just unable to be productive, not not just not wanting to, it's legitimately having some kind of mental block that tells you no, you just, you can't. Like, it all becomes scary, it all becomes exhausting, it all becomes just, you want to be doing anything except for that. And it is extremely and sincerely completely unpleasant. And so, well, that is my first story of burnout. Now, uh, something that I do want to note is that everybody's story is going to be different. I can tell you my stories. Um, I can give you the context from my experiences. But it is contextual for everyone. It is situational for everyone. Um, that goes for any advice I can give as well. Like I can give my advice on how I got away from it and how I fixed it and how I recovered. However, that advice might not be universal. It's not really a set of instructions. It's just how I responded to it and how I grew from it. So how did I respond to this and how did I grow from this? Well, I really, really deeply self-analyzed uh, if I still wanted to be a developer because this was my first job out of university. Um, it was my first time being in the professional world as a developer and I was at a point where I was just questioning whether or not I was good enough, whether or not um, I had the tenacity, and whether or not I actually enjoyed it. 
which those are some pretty hard questions. So in that scenario, um, what I did was I tried something completely different. Uh, I kept at my job for two-ish years. I put out a lot of games. I put out, I think in the end, around 15 games. And uh, I said, hey, thank you. My contract is up. I'm not going to renew. Um, and I'm going to go try this other adventure for a while. So yeah, I had a completely different job for a couple of years, uh, basically doing like educational things, uh, corporate teaching kind of stuff, which in retrospect now, I hated it. Holy crap. <laughs> it was not for me. But that lesson also helped me learn that I'm I'm pretty shy. And having those kinds of experiences, I think, is really valuable because having them on or sorry, having them early on in your career is great because you do have that flexibility to try out these different um different career options and these different paths and these just different experiences that you have not yet had and you can't make up your mind until you've had those experiences, it's good to do that early on in your career because the longer you do it, the harder it's going to be to switch. And the more costly it's going to be, not in a monetary sense necessarily, but in time and mental effort and just things you have to learn and things like that. So if you're early on in your career, and you run into this exact scenario and that ends up being your solution, then hey, I 100% encourage you to give it a shot. I'm not going to say it's what everyone should do because I don't think it is. Uh, sometimes you're just at a bad workplace and that can be rectified by either open conversations with your coworkers and your managers and you know things like that or um, looking for a new workplace in the same field. That is also completely valid uh, and just... There's a number of different uh, ways you can address it. You can talk with a mental health professional who can give you much better advice than I can. Uh, and actually, I would encourage everyone to do that anyways. So please, please do that. Okay, so that kind of gives us at least a little bit of context as to what burnout is and what it feels like. But that's just one story. Um, there's so many more. Uh, you hear tales of burnout all the time, especially from the video game industry. Um, where people are working just intense crunch hours all the time, uh, and especially sustained crunch hours all the time. Crunch every now and again in technology, you kind of expect to do it, honestly. Uh, maybe if it's like once or twice a year, it's not that bad. You just do a random 15-hour day because you have to, and you have to get something released. That happens. You kind of learn to live with it, and it's fine. Um, but sustained crunch is 100% something that leads people to burn out very quickly. And within the games industry, and I've actually talked about this before, but to reiterate, it is very common for people to join the games industry as a junior developer, so straight out of college or university, and to be very passionate and to be very excited and to want to prove themselves, again, much like my story. Uh, and the game industry is brutal. It will use those people as much as they can and... Those people will burn out really fast. Uh, they'll get in like three or four years maybe, and then they're out. They leave the game industry altogether. It's a very common story. But the thing is, there's always going to be college graduates who are passionate about video games and are willing to do it to prove themselves. So it's a revolving door, and it's a big problem in the games industry. You find it a bit less in traditional software development, but 
as a heads up, if you are considering game development, know that you're probably going to run into that kind of scenario. And it is brutal. Um, it's one of the main reasons you have a hard time finding senior game developers. Uh, well, coders especially. Anyways, there's many, many more examples we could give, uh, many we could analyze, many we could ref- uh, reference. Reference. There we are. Um, however, I think the easiest way I can share a thought is by sharing another experience of my own. Um, again, I'm just doing that to be transparent and to provide some context and just my own stories of failure and uh, heartbreak and all that kind of stuff and the lessons that were learned from it. So hopefully you don't have to go through what I did in order to get the lesson. That's the kind of the desired outcome. So let's tell one more story. Um, and this one is going to be very recent. This is going to be the story of almost burning out and recognizing the limits from previous kind of experiences. And as you may have inferred, it will be the story that is just a few weeks old. Well, a few months, but the last few weeks have been kind of where things have really, truly recovered and have led us to the point where, hey, hi, I'm back on Coding Fix. Great to see you. But let's give it some context. Let's talk about it. And hopefully there can be some lessons to be learned from it. So where to begin? That is a hard question. So to provide full context isn't really feasible. It's been months and months and months and months and years of just stuff, uh, which has accumulated and resulted in this burnout or near burnout. Uh, and that's just going to be too much context to give. And especially when I'm being, uh, I'm anonymizing the data and the people and the industry and all that kind of stuff. Well, maybe not the industry, but uh, too much. So instead, I'm just going to kind of uh, walk through it how it's been providing details here and there. And hey, if anybody has questions or wants elucidation or anything of that nature, reach out to me. Feel free to send a message anytime. Coding at fix.space. <laughs> I'll remind uh, about the address at the end too. But So I work on a relatively small team, uh, about five developers, uh, four or five, depends on the day. One of our managers is half developer, half manager. Anyways, doesn't matter. Um, and we work on some pretty intense projects. Now, the projects we work on are very complicated and they require a relatively quick turnaround, which is a fun challenge, but also can be tiring. But ever since I started this job, I've learned a lot of lessons and am firmer with what matters to me for my mental health. Uh, so from my first day, I only went to the office for eight hours a day. I would go in at seven, you know, sometimes leave at three or four. So depending on how lunch was and stuff like that, but eight hour days. And once I left that office, I did not have Slack installed on my phone. I did not have uh, Outlook or whatever for emails installed on my phone, uh, not on my personal computer, totally separate. Of course, there were ways to get a hold of me if there was an emergency, but, you know, totally separate work and life. And that's a lesson I'd learned from, uh, you know, again, previous, previous experiences and uh, knowing my own limitations. Because if I didn't, if I had them connected, my work life and my home life, it would be very likely that in the middle of the night I'd have ideas, I'd jump out from bed, say Eureka, and then implement them immediately. And that leads to not great mental health because it means you're working way too much. 
So um, started strong, had the work-life balance in place. Um, made sure to be very assertive, well, not assertive, but to be very straightforward and honest with requirements of anything I was working on in terms of giving direction uh, if I was helping other people develop stuff or asking for direction, saying like, hey, how should I build this thing? So very much clarity because dealing with ambiguities is another thing that can just lead your mind astray and leave you guessing and leave you just kind of going down rabbit holes. So that's another kind of strategy that I had picked up to avoid burnout uh, along with a bunch of others. But let's cut to the chase when I started, we were in an office, and it was very easy to do the three-kilometer walk from where I live and have that separation. Since the pandemic, we have been 100% remote. And while I do like remote and have strategies for separating work and life, it is much, much more difficult, especially if you're living 100% on your own. If you're on your own, what else are you going to do? You can play some games at night with friends. You can watch a show, I guess. But like when you're confined to your own place and you're using the same computer for work as you do for entertainment or relaxation, what do you do? And that became a struggle because my space that I live in is not particularly large. It's a one-bedroom apartment. Uh, it's just me here for now. Um, and yeah, the computer I use is the same I use for everything. So. That was kind of a red flag, but that's fine. We can deal with that. More red flags started rising when the projects we were working on um, were suddenly getting more and more and tighter and tighter deadlines. Now, that meant we were going to have to anticipate little bits of crunch here and there. Again, like I mentioned, crunch is pretty natural in the development industry here and there little bits of it you can kind of expect it it's fine but we were starting to see it routinely we were starting to see it every couple weeks maybe every month and that was setting us into a kind of bad pace where the pace was just getting too rapid like it was too fast we weren't having time to qa things we weren't having time to test things we weren't having time to properly reflect on the things that we had built so we could move forward with lessons that we'd learned. So that's another red flag. And as it carried on, we had more and more red flags. We had things like uh, external parties making massive changes to our code bases, which just required us to completely rethink how we were doing things. Um, we had things like just massive breaks where we suddenly had to stop everything we're doing and put out a whole bunch of fires on unrelated projects. Uh, versus the one that was suddenly becoming the uh, the priority, the focus, the center stage. We had run into things where our infrastructure wasn't working as we were expecting, so suddenly everything that worked perfectly on a local cluster of Kubernetes, once deployed, uh, had issues with things like scaling and memory that we never encountered locally, even though we were still running it on Kubernetes. The hardware was different, um, and the running environment was different, and it meant... We were having issues with swap, like memory swap and things of that nature. Uh, so it's just all of these unforeseen things coupled with a very rapid pace, coupled with intense deadlines, coupled with a whole bunch of other stuff. Now, this was maintainable. This was sustainable. This was okay. Because uh, for me, I was still able to separate the work and the life. Yes. 
Um, having hobbies was great. Doing this podcast, doing the gaming podcast, uh, talking with friends, watching anime, you name it, just having other things to do and not checking Slack, not checking the phone, not checking in code at two in the morning. But something happened and it's going to be hard to be ambiguous and anonymous about it, but I'm going to try my darndest. (laughs) There came a point where we were putting in a ton of work, um, and this would have been about a month or two ago, which coincides with when Coding Fix took a break. Um, and for what it's worth, I'm not using this as a venting place. I do truly mean for this to be a lesson, <laughs> just for clarity. But yes, so this would, on the timeline, be about when Coding, Fo- Coding Fix took a break. Uh, we started receiving some deadlines where if they were not met, the consequences would be pretty bad. Now, what does a bad consequence mean? Mm, use your imagination. You, you, you use whatever your imagination says, and you'll probably get somewhere close to it. Uh, now, the issue became, for me, was there was only two people that knew how to do that thing, to hit that deadline. And it required interfacing with about seven or eight other projects from across the company to make sure that all of these things were tied together and working properly, working. So you're sending a signal from one to the other and getting back what you expect and things are running concurrently. And hey, what if one thing breaks in the middle of running concurrently? How do you handle that? And how do you surface it? Blah, blah, blah. So it was very complicated, very um, interconnected, and suddenly had a deadline over top where, again, the consequences would be bad. And let's just say, um, it would affect more than myself if that deadline was not met. So suddenly, on top of all this stuff, there is added pressure. There is added pressure of if you do not succeed, if you fail, there's consequences, and they aren't just going to affect you. So this is a different kind of pressure than the one from the first story. Because the one on the first story was spending a lot of time on something you're very passionate about and you love and you're very proud of it. And then at the end you get praise. You're like, yeah, or sorry. At the end you do not get praise. Uh, you are told it's bad. You don't know what you're doing. Blah, blah, blah. That is different from the pressure of you need to get this done within this specified time limit. And if you don't, there's going to be bad news. So again, different scenarios, um, long story short, I ended up having to do a bunch of 12 and 15 hour days, got them done and, um, eventually hit the deadline. People celebrated, uh, people were happy. We, the team was given more leeway for future deadlines saying, Hey, you guys did great here. Have, have all this extra time and we'll trust you with the, the future of whatever, whatever tasks and projects we assign you. Yay. And before when I mentioned there was two people who knew how to do it, it turned out it was only me that knew how to do it. So I had to do 95% of it solo, uh, except nah, 90% of it solo. I was able to delegate 10% of the tasks to um, members of the team who were definitely great at what they did. So don't want to take whole credit, but hey, at this point, I feel comfy taking some credit. That was a lot of effort. Now, I don't want to end the story there because... Um, Yes, in and of itself, that pressure and the combination of factors, the work from home, the work-life balance, um, the pressure, the uh, the pressure, the immediate pressure of 
the the results of what you're doing as well as just the accumulated pace and things of that nature all on their own very valid but there was another factor over everything which made it much closer to burnout for me like I, all of the above i still knew how to work with and work around and probably would have still been able to do this podcast probably still would have been able to do gaming fix and you know been fine and this is something i do want you to watch out for if and when you're in a work scenario with software development because it is something that doesn't often get talked about um at least in my opinion and it's something that is difficult to handle and that is toxicity in the workplace so Again, keeping everything as anonymous as possible. Um, there were people within the environment of my workplace where to- there was just toxicity. Um, sometimes directed at me, sometimes directed in general. I am fairly um, sensitive and empathetic. And so if there are people who are upset or unhappy or um, being belittled or you know just going through really trying scenarios it affects me quite a bit especially because i care about all the people i work with so seeing anyone in that scenario makes me feel terrible now the toxicity at some point reached a boiling point um just across the board with everyone involved it just kind of reached this capstone and it didn't blow up and that might be the problem is everyone just kind of internalized it and just thought, okay, well, we just have to deal with this. We just have to live with it. This is what it is. We have to deal with toxicity, so be it. And I don't want to give any details. I don't want to turn this into a gossipy thing. It's just for the sake of transparency. When you have toxicity in the workplace, when you are told, like my previous story, that your work is bad and you don't know what you're doing, and you're having to deal with people who are yelling or people who are being condescending or people who are um, not respecting your thoughts or opinions or wishes or anything of that nature, that becomes a very problematic struggle and it amplifies anything else that could be a problem. So all of the stuff I talked about before, which I could totally handle with like with no problem. Yes. Could totally handle it. You amplify it with toxicity and it suddenly becomes very difficult it suddenly becomes a struggle of yes i'm doing these things and i'm getting it done and it's a very complicated task and it's happening but then all the while in the meantime you're being poked and prodded and you know stabbed with little swords just all the time death by a thousand cuts basically that is a very 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 big red flag and it ends up being a very huge catalyst for burnout. So bearing all of that in mind, that is a summary of why I took some time away from the podcast was needing time to deflate, needing time to breathe. Uh, Most of the time I did not even touch my computer when I was taking time away and go for 10 kilometer long walks, go hiking, go swimming, go and do other things in the meantime uh, just to keep away from screens to keep away from computer to keep away from anything related to the workplace 
So that is how I handled it. And again, that is not a prescription. That is not me saying that that is how you should handle it. It's just from my experiences, I know that spending time away from a screen has a great mental health benefit to me. So when things are particularly strenuous and there is definitely a risk of burnout, then yes, for me, that is a solution. For other people, it might be getting a hold of their friend group and playing a bunch of video games online for 12 hours straight. You know, For other people, it might be knitting or sewing or crocheting. For other people, it might be working on a side project that is code-related. Maybe it's you're making a new app and it distracts you and it keeps you busy. The minutiae of what helps people is totally up to the individual. And what works for you might not work for someone else. But the thing that's worth knowing is knowing yourself. Knowing what works for you, what helps you, and also knowing your own limits. Sometimes that means we have to reach these limits. And sometimes it means we have to push just a little bit past those limits and totally crash and burn. Because once we crash and once we burn, we know that that's the most amount we can take. That's the, that is the limit. Once we have exceeded that, we're in trouble. So if we can keep ourselves below that limit and we can recognize when we're approaching it, when it's becoming you know, a threat that it's becoming in sight, that is when we can start deploying our methods of mental health uh, relief. That is when I can start taking more time away in nature and uh, doing other things and stressing out less about the actual problems that need to be solved. That is when others can play their video games with friends. That is when other others can crochet. No matter what works for you, please, if you feel yourself approaching that limit of burnout, do what is best for your mental health. And uh, that is coming across perhaps a bit didactic, but uh, it is very sincere as well. Mental health is extremely important and it is something that everyone should take care of. And on that note, um, as I mentioned before, if you have never spent time with a mental health professional, I very much recommend it. It, um, it is unfortunately quite stigmatized. People think, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. Going to a mental health professional is not worth my time. But um, I approach it more like a trip to the dentist. They are, or you know, um, or a trip to your optometrist. It is being able to take care of yourself. Okay, yeah, we can clean your teeth. We can just make sure there's no cavities. Hey, we're checking out your eyes. Do you need a prescription change? It's checking in and making sure that your health is good. Uh, if it is good, great. Then that means we can continue bolstering it, and we can just continue maintaining it, much like we brush our teeth, much like we wear glasses, or you know, things of that nature. Same thing with our mental health. It's good to check in on it. It is good to have it evaluated and see like, hey, is it, even if you're good, is there anything we can do to make it better or to keep it consistently good? So with that in mind, please do take care of your mental health. And if you have not spent time with a mental health professional, it is wonderful. It is very helpful and very cathartic. So uh, if you have local options available to you. There's tons. It depends on your region. I'm not going to recommend anything because I'm in Canada. It's different in the States versus Europe versus Asia, etc. Um, but if you are open to online options, and I am not sponsored, just straight up, I am not sponsored, uh, I would recommend something like betterhelp.com because it offers you um, 
just consultations and things of that nature. And especially during these pandemic times, that is just paramount. Mental health is very important. And with all of us being isolated from each other and uh, put into this very strenuous situation, we should be taking care of our mental health. So again, that site was betterhelp.com. So totally recommend checking it out. I have used it and I will continue to use it. Now, that more or less brings us to the end of this episode. Um, This one was far less scripted than most of the previous ones. It's more stories from my own experience. And I hope, my ultimate hope and my true hope is that Some of these stories have been able to offer some kind of insight to you, uh, contextualize some of those feelings for you, and, you know, just generally allow you to reflect upon yourself and situations you've been in and perhaps um, giving you some ideas on what can be improved for yourself. That is the ultimate goal of this episode. Um, If you have stories that you want to share, and I don't intend to read them out on the air, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to receive them and read them. And uh, you can share your experience with me. I'm very happy and very open about that. Um, If you have suggestions for future episodes that are similar to this, covering similar subjects or mental health in general, uh, that aspect of software development, again, also reach out to me. Or if you just have requests for episodes that you'd like to hear about, also reach out to me. We've had a couple. One of them is Kotlin. So I think that might be coming up in the future. So we'll see about that. But for now, if you do want to get a hold of me, uh, coding at fix.space, C-O-D-I-N-G, at F-Y-X dot space, um, at F-Y-X podcasts on Twitter. Uh, I check both of those frequently every day. Um, I really do appreciate the messages we've got. Um, We've had folks from all over reaching out and just saying that the show has helped them and Uh, that they found it to be a positive kind of thing to include in their listening. And I just wanted to let you know that I appreciate the feedback. It's great. And you all are wonderful. So that is it for today. That is episode 10 of Coding Fix. And with that in mind, no matter the case, thanks again for listening. It is super appreciated. And I hope you have a great day.